the first Victory Monday of the season. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. No one gave the Cardinals a chance. There was not a single talking head in America that picked the Cardinals. But as the saying goes, on any given Sunday. There's a lot to get into, but first, is Paul okay? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 677, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So we need a wellness check on Paul before we go any further. For those that might have missed it, late second quarter, Josh Dobbs throws a short pass to Rondell Moore, who gets pushed out of bounds for a one-yard loss. You want to take it from over? You want to take it over from there, Paul? Well, let's see here. Uh, how about a dramatic reenactment? Okay, you want a dramatic reenactment? Um, the play is most definitely flowing our way. Get out of the way! Move it! And what happened was the kicking net was behind me. See, this is so rookie. I mean, what was no I excuses, thinking? No excuses, Paul. No excuses. The stinking kicking net was behind me. I couldn't just backpedal. So I got to go left or right and then back. And to my right is the big parabolic guy. Okay, you're not getting through that. And to the left are the team docs. <laughs> it's you or, you know, it's kill or be killed. Uh, I'm going through the team docs. Problem is there were like four of them, and it took me an extra moment, a hot second to get through them until I got into my backpedal at that point boom i got rondell moore in my chest thank goodness he is a sports car with good braking <laughs> because if it would have been jeff swaim like a 20 year old suv with drum brakes i would have been jack stomped i'd still be in the blue medical tent but thankfully rondell moore was able to come to a pretty quick stop he took me for a good ride to the back of the uh, sideline but uh it could have been a lot worse. Looked like his hand was around your back to kind of protect you a little I bit as well. And you are lucky that it wasn't Jeff Swain or even a Zach Ertz one, yeah. the size difference. And an Ertz seeing yeah. a Cal Golden Bear just would have trucked you and That's said, true. oh, who cares? That's Friendly true. fire, no big deal. That's true. But uh, yeah, Especially was... after we beat Stanford the last two years <laughs> in the big game. But after we lost like 11 in a row against uh, Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw. But that doesn't really matter. Uh I'd like to think that I saved Rondell okay. Moore from going down, but you're probably right. It's probably the other way around. Uh, someone had to take one for the team and preserve Rondell Moore from crashing into that kicking net. So, yeah, look, Craig, you never want to be part of the story, okay? <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. thinking, don't be ever be part of the story, either as the interviewer or as the sideline guy. So can we move along quickly, please, please? I'll just say this. For those that have access, NFL.com, NFL+. Plus. It is late second quarter. Maybe we can get the all twenty-two just Come to kind of see that hit on the sideline because on the broadcast or was it? No, I was talking to you during halftime that this yeah. was the first time that in, you have been hit no. on the sideline in nineteen years. I've witnessed plenty of them, and I knew it might be inevitable. And once again, if it wasn't for the stinking kicking that I would have been out of the way. But yeah, I. I don't hesitate to bail. There is no glory oh. in hanging in, Craig. If it's coming our way, I, I'm out. Of, I have a backpedal like you know uh, Patrick Peterson. I'm like out of there. Okay, so 
It's um yeah, and and you know what? All the snarky docs they kept asking me, "You good? You good? Do we need to take you into the tent after the game? You sure? You sure you know you come into the training room? I'm good. I'm good." It's always the next day though when you feel it. So you that's woke true. up this morning feeling okay. all right. So that's good. Here's one little anecdote, and I'll leave you with this, and then we got to move this along. There was about 12 years ago a team doc who got trucked. And he got a direct hit, and he went head over heels, and it w- there was so much momentum, it actually propelled him back up onto his feet. It was quite athletic for a 50-something-year-old team doc, okay? And they're like, okay, and he's like, I'm good, I'm good. 5 a.m., he woke up. Oh, His back, he was like in traction. He got up, drove himself somehow to his own office, and x-rayed his own back <laughs> to try and determine and diagnose what was wrong with him. So that was next level. Good news, Paul is here and feeling okay on this Victory Monday, first of the season, and a lot of firsts on Sunday. Obviously, the first win of the season, first win for head coach Jonathan Gannon, first win for quarterback Josh Dobbs, first interception for Kaiser White since 2021, first interception thrown by Dak Prescott in 2023, and Paul, the biggest one, first time the Cowboys' defense looked vulnerable in 2023. Micah Parsons, you had a front-row view did not wreck this game like was anticipated, expected, and as he had done previously against the Jets and Giants. And the one sack he had, I'll just tell you, the sideline was screaming offsides, offsides, like he jumped the snap count. Now, he had the quickest get-off in a game since, like, 2019. Those were the next-gen stats, so he's like a dragster off the off the start line. There's no doubt, but... Yeah, I'd be curious to see the replay on that. I don't get a lot of those. I do know when they came back to the sideline, Will Hernandez had a long talk with Paris Johnson. They tried to sort of sync up their communication because maybe something was missing where he was able to split those two guys and get one of the two sacks. But what did Lorenzo Alexander tell us? There's two ways to go about it. You can either go up to the line of scrimmage, where's number 11, and audible and run the other way, or you can go right at him. And that has been done in the past. When you get really athletic, Really quick sideline to sideline guys. Sometimes your only option is to go right at them. And is that not exactly what the Cardinals did, especially in that first half when they ran for a buck 82? And it was a creative run game. You didn't know who was running it. And then when one guy did break one off, you used him as a decoy on another play to get someone else free. That second play of the game where Parsons could have set the tone because if that handoff does not go well, or Dobbs doesn't pull it back, and James Conner has the ball, Parsons is going to light up James Conner. Yep. Instead, he pulls it out, takes it, eludes Parsons, and goes around the edge, up the sideline, down the other sideline for a 44-yard gain. And to me, that was okay. Yeah, we're aware of where number 11 is, but we're not going to be afraid to do what we do on offense, and that was the case all game long. 222 rushing yards for the Cardinals, the most since week 10 of 2020. More than seven yards a carry. That wasn't just one half. That was the entire game. It's remarkable, especially against that defense and all the press they were getting coming into the game. But think about what we said before the game. Now, for the record, we did not call a Cardinals victory. We thought they would compete, and there were a lot of reasons why. We thought that, you know what, running Josh Dobbs more was very viable because the only thing that had really worked in the first two weeks against that Dallas defense was Daniel Jones got some rushing yards. Zach Wilson got some rushing yards. They completely shut down Breeze Hall 
um, and the other running back, uh, Dalvin Cook, for the New York Jets. So we suggested, we said, you know what, we're putting this in the suggestion box. Use Josh Dobbs. He's very adept at running. In fact, you saw the next-gen stats miles per hour. That was a great moment down on the sideline. Dobbs saw the big screen late in the game on the next-gen stats miles per hour, and he was ahead of Rondale Moore. He hit 19.8 miles per hour, according to the little computer chip in the shoulder pad, on his 44-yard run versus Rondell Moore, who left the Dallas secondary in the dust on his 45-yard run. He was actually faster. So, okay, use that to your advantage. We suggest that it worked. You know, at the very least, you're keeping that defense honest. What does Kyle Shanahan do better than any offensive coordinator and play caller in the league? You listen to Cardinals defenders, he keeps the defense honest. You don't know who's coming, when, what is that play design going to be, what you just saw will be used against you. If you think it's a tendency, no, because they break their tendencies very well. I saw a lot of that from the Cardinals offense against Dallas. A lot of eye candy, misdirection, motion in the backfield, pre-snap motion, which is something that I know a lot of the fan base has been clamoring for, for an offense to show a little bit more movement before the snap. And you just saw a number of different things this week. And I'll go back because I mentioned it on Cardinal Talk, Paul, when we're trying to figure out, okay, what's this offense going to be like? What's this defense going to be like? And Gannon always says, adapt or die. You look at what this offense was capable or what it did against the Cowboys. First two weeks, it was a lot of short throws to the tight end. That was not the case on Sunday. Zach Ertz, Trey McBride combined three targets. Wow. The tight end was a non-factor. Now there was that throw, and once again, Dobbs to Ertz just missed again, but that play would have been wiped out because of a penalty. But it was the wide receiver and it was the ground game of James Conner. Those two entities enabled the Cardinals to come away with that 28-16 win. Well, And we talked before the game, how much would you use your tight ends to chip the Dallas ends and go after them, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, and try and provide some extra help? So I'd love to know. I'd love to get an answer to that. How often were the tight ends even in the pass game, route running versus staying in to help protect Josh Dobbs against that Dallas front? So... You're right, but it was different. They did evolve it. Think about what we talked about before the game as well. All the different things that easily could happen that would end up being in the Cardinals' favor. Uh, The fast start, right? If you were able to take a lead against Dallas, which the Cardinals obviously did, they scored 15 points in the first three possessions. Dallas had given up 10 points total in two games. Okay, Dallas had not played from behind. What happens if Dallas faces some real adversity. If they have to come back, all of a sudden, oh boy, maybe they look a little discombobulated, right? Dak Prescott, tick-tock, had not thrown in interceptions so far in 2023. He led the league in interceptions the year before, only playing 12 games. So that was fateful at the very end, right? Uh, We talked about, hey, if you go Bill Belichick and you take away their top weapon, which by far was CeeDee Lamb, if you And what did Gannon say after the game when we asked him about that? He said, we put a ceiling over yep. him. So all these little things that we sort of talked about, if the Cardinals can accomplish these things before the game, you know what? That would, you know, running Josh Dobbs more. Uh, you know, Dallas, if they're banged up on the offensive line, sure enough, missing three starters, two didn't dress. And Tyron Smith, did we even see him in the game? No. So these are all things you're like, all right, how? Like the rest of the nation, how, why did the Cardinals actually beat Dallas? Well, there's a lot of really plausible reasons that developed. Cardinals didn't play a perfect game, but they did play well enough to where this was not a fluke victory. 
they stopped the Cowboys on offense. They held the Cowboys defense in check. And it goes back to something that I know you always mention because what did we hear all week long? Well, that Dallas front, that Dallas defense, number one in the league, 11 different categories in which the Cowboys are head and shoulders above everyone else. DJ Humphreys, postgame, quote, you know the competition that we had out there and we had to hear about it all week. Every time you turn on the TV, you hear them compared to the 85 Bears and stuff like that. So to be able to go out there and have the opportunity to show our offense that way is big, end quote. Make no mistake about it. Despite their denial, players read, they listen, and they watch. So that was why you saw the emotion, not only because it was the first win, but because it was that opponent. The Cowboys on the other side of the field, how emotional the players were, Maybe not so much the head coach didn't take too kindly to the Gatorade dumping, but that's what the players you work so hard for during the week, and then it pays off on Sunday, and there was a relief. I wouldn't say a relief, but just a satisfaction after that game to be able to not only win, but win by double digits. So we're walking off the field at halftime, right? And Jonathan Gannon, and you could tell he was obviously fired up. By the way, how did that 62-yarder actually make it through Uh, you know the laces were in the snap was low the kick was low when that from field level when that left his foot I'm like no chance he'd be lucky to make that from 55 much less 62 and then it carries over you're like it was pretty amazing right and so there you go and he's coming off the field Jonathan again he's all fired up and the first question was about just uh, how aggressive the Cardinals were and he said that's the mindset we have to play faster than them the faster team wins. That was Jonathan Gannon at halftime. And then asked, what do you appreciate the most? And he said, just the effort. He said, the effort. They want to win. In other words, to your point, Cardinals in that locker room, they weren't there to just compete. Ah, oh, let's get a, you know, keep it close and, you know, get some. Re-. No, they were there to win. And especially based on how the fourth quarters went each of the prior two weeks. Uh, there's no doubt they were a little salty and uh, they were hell-bent on making sure it didn't happen a third time in a row. When the Cowboys kicked that last field goal to make it 21-16, there's still better than nine minutes left to go in the game. And you're like, okay, here we go again. Is this going to happen for a third straight week? Unable to hold a second-half lead going into the fourth quarter with the advantage. Can you finish? And what happened? Well, Michael Wilson happened. Wide open on a 69-yard catch and run, the longest play from scrimmage this season for the Cardinals. How it happened, I have no idea, but who cares? It happened. The Cardinals take advantage, and I love the postgame conversation you had with Michael Wilson because, and we've heard this before, Paul, those catches, when you are wide open and there is no one within 10 yards of you, the most difficult catches to make because you're expected to make that catch. And if you drop it, you're never getting an easier catch in your life. And Michael made the catch. He didn't score, which I'm sure he's upset about. But the fact is that kind of like, all right, now you're setting up first and goal. And then Dobbs finds Hollywood Brown for the two-yard touchdown. Game over at that point. And he said the fellas gave him a hard time about not finishing that, about not scoring that. Come on, he's a big receiver. There was a, a DB that raced down there. Okay, he had the angle on that one, but he was wide open. And there's no doubt. How many receivers say that ball is hanging in the air forever? You're waiting for it to come down into your mitts, and you're telling yourself, 
don't look away, don't look up the field, complete the catch, then turn and run. So props to Michael Wilson for getting that done. And his description, to your point about how that play developed, first off, the play design, it was a deep crosser. It was a deep X as you had Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson about 20 yards down the field crossing and so trying to lose a defender well both defenders ended up going with the speedster Hollywood Brown according to Michael Wilson and that left him wide open they had a communication breakdown and that was huge because at that moment midway through the fourth quarter there were a lot of similarities to the week before the Giants and you're like oh boy uh there had already been two three and outs at that point or one three and out that one three and out and then a punt okay and remember what happened the week before you had three straight possessions that netted a total of 29 yards all punts so you're hoping okay this is not trending the same way it did last week and that play put everything to rest there, there's no question that was in terms of the offense and how critical was in the moment the key play of the game. Continue to see the progress being made by Josh Dobbs. First time in his career, he's now started three straight games, and I think you're seeing the benefits of that. He completed a career-high 81% of his pass attempts. Again, not a lot of total yards, 189, but efficiency. Getting that ball out quick to the right people, his playmakers, his wide receivers, and then just leading scoring drives. Six of them on nine possessions against the league's number one defense, and I think people are starting to notice Peter King's football morning in America. Josh Dobbs, his offensive player of the week. And again, it's a great story. Wow. He brought the game ball into the post-game press conference, his first ever win as a starting quarterback against the team that a year ago, his first career start, came against the Cowboys in Week 17. And now here in start number five, he finally gets that win in year seven, though, of his NFL career. So think about it. He has the experience of being in the NFL. He's in year seven, a six-different team. But he's never had the opportunity. Never had he started three games in a row. So what did we talk about all of last week? Well, he took the big leap last year from Game 1 to Game 2, Week 17 to Week 18, starting for the Titans on short notice. So guess what? Going into the Giants game, we said, why can't he take this similar leap from the Washington to Giants? And he did. 20 points better on his passer rating. Okay, so now we've never seen three starts in a row. What are the odds he takes a similar jump from Week 2 to Week 3? He improved by exactly 20 points again in the passer rating. So he went from 80 to 100 to 120 from one game to the next. And now you realize he only has five career starts under his belt. What is the upside? What potential is left? How much more is under the hood that you can actually get out of Josh Dobbs? And what did Michael Wilson say after the game? If nothing else, guys realize how much he cares. And if you care about your legacy trying to get the most out of your ability, because he has plenty of ability. You look at SEC history. There's four dual-threat quarterbacks all time. Manziel, Tebow, Dak Prescott, and Josh Dobbs are far and away above and beyond everyone else in SEC history. So he has the ability to run it. He has the ability to throw it. The accuracy is good enough. He said on the Michael Wilson, that was his third read. That was his third wow. option. So if he's able to go through his reads and his progressions – First one's covered. Second one's covered. Oh, there's number three. If his eyes are bringing him to number three and there's the guy that's wide open, how many quarterbacks, Craig, in their NFL careers never get to a point where they can see the field and read coverage like that? A lot of really talented guys, very athletic guys, who aren't seeing the field like that. And so if he's combining the athleticism 
with the big brain we know he has as the aerospace engineer, and he can see football that way, I think it's really intriguing. What more can he do? Certainly begs the question of what is ahead in the future, not only for Dobbs but the Arizona Cardinals, but I think that's a conversation because now it's okay, can you keep this up? Can you do it again this week against the 49ers? Another stout defense. But Dobbs has the ability to go from his first, second, third read because he's getting time in the pocket. That offensive line, no, there are not household names, not a bunch of all pros, but collectively as a unit – Five guys, six because we saw Tristan Colon for at least yeah. two drives, 14 total total snaps for Elijah Wilkinson at left guard. But that offensive line is giving Dobbs time to throw and opening up some huge holes for James Conner and everyone else to run through and account for the 400 in total yards of offense. Which brings us to the Angry Bird Award. The O-line is not getting enough talk. Uh, thankfully, uh, respectfully, Craig, uh, you know you bring the knowledge, and so you mentioned the O-line. Other than that, I haven't heard a lot of mention the O-line, so I'm holding the coveted Angry Bird Award. The lie detector might go off right there. What it is is a stuffed animal, the Angry Bird, and I stuffed a mini helmet over it, and then we give it away. And so, sure enough, um, you know Josh Dobbs was your winner last week for trucking the free safety. Dennis Gardeck, the barbarian, was the winner in week one. And we're giving this to the entire O-line, all six guys this week, for what they did against that Dallas D, in particular rushing for a buck 82 in the first half. It's impressive. By the way, I love the fact that even though this is audio only a podcast, the fact that you bring in the Angry Bird with said helmet on top to paint the picture for the listener here on Cardinals Cover 2, I appreciate that. At some point, this might be streamed, and so uh, we're just practicing in case there's ever a video element to Cardinals Cover 2, then boom, we've got it right here. We've got the props right in front of us. So congratulations to the O-line, and I'll say this, Paul. I'm a little surprised. I wasn't quite sure which direction you'd go in because there were a number of different candidates. And I thought just because of how big a moment was at the end of the game that perhaps Kaiser White would have been a nice choice or at least a nominee. Again, nothing against what Kaiser White did. I'm not comparing the old line to what Kaiser was able to accomplish, but 14 tackles, one shy, tying his career high. And that interception on a play that he told the media post game that he had struggled with during the week, yeah. a defensive call that he had not been sound on, but wanted Nick Rollis to call it again. It was called, and he sat there in the zone. And I don't know if Dak ever saw him because the pass was thrown right to him. Again, going back to the Michael Wilson conversation, sometimes those are the most difficult to catch. Kaiser mentioned it as well post game. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Got the ball. Kept it. And again, the defense, huge, stopping the Cowboys late in the game. He had 14 tackles, so there's no question. He he is the brains of that defense, whereas Buda Baker might be the heartbeat of the defense. He's the brains. And it's interesting to note that both the Giants and Cowboys, after the Cardinals have put game film out there, obviously in the Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis era, there's one word they use, fast, that what they see on film is a fast Cardinals defense. Well, it's not just team speed. It's playing fast football IQ. It's Kaiser White getting the calls in, making sure the calls are in early enough where there's time to spare, where guys can get a line correctly. You're not sprinting to the spot right before the snap, and all of a sudden you're discombobulated, and if a completion is made by a few inches, well, if you weren't in the right spot to start with, guess what? You're playing from behind. So there's a reason why this defense is playing fast and has more than – just to do with the athleticism 
But beyond that, Craig, the Angry Bird Award also goes to the all-line because after the game, Kaiser White still had the football in his hands. He took it all the way to his locker. He didn't even let go of it on the sideline. He's keeping that thing because he, like he told us, he hadn't had an interception since 2021. And so, and then of course, Josh Dobbs brought his football up to the podium. So what does the offensive line have? They don't have anything, so we're giving them the Angry Bird Award. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's a good uh, analysis here on the Angry, Bo- Angry Bird Award winner for week number three. By the way, speaking of that defense, the ultimate bend but don't break. Yeah, the Cowboys had better than 400 yards of total offense. Yeah. But the red zone defense, something that both the head coach and Nick Rollis touched on a week ago, they were not happy with how successful – the opponent was inside the red zone. Different story this week. One of five, but four opportunities in the second half, and the Cowboys go two field goals, turnover on downs, interception. But all four of those possessions, Paul, wound up inside the Cardinals' 10-yard line. Wow. No touchdowns on four Mm. trips, not inside the 20, inside the 10. And once again, we didn't call this Cardinals win. We thought they'd compete. But before the game, what did we talk about, Craig? that if you look at red zone, that's where Dallas struggled against the Jets. They had four field goals in the in the red zone. They really struggled there. So we talked about that pregame. You know what? Dallas ain't all that when it gets to the red zone. So this could be an advantage for the Cardinals defense, and sure enough, that materialized as well. So there are very real reasons why the Cardinals ended up with a victory. This isn't some fluke this isn't some sort of one-off this was a lot of what we talked about before the game that was very viable and plausible for the Cardinals to execute and then they went out and did it they were prepared enough to go out and do it they were the more intense team from the get-go obviously and then they were able to finish something they haven't been able to do so you're seeing the evolution and as Dave Pash so adroitly said at the end of the game you're seeing the validation the affirmation of what this means, Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austinfort hitting that reset button. And by the way, if you don't think these guys are invested, if you don't think they care, all you have to do is watch Monty Austinfort in the mouth of the tunnel when players are coming off the field. Nobody was more fired up than the GM. Every single player and coach coming off that field got a handshake, got a salute from the general manager. So there is tangible visual evidence just how vested the GM is in this whole process and it resonates in that locker room more than one guy said you know what it does help you don't feel like just a number or a cap number you know in a spreadsheet you you realize okay that uh hey they're investing in you we're going to invest in this team it's not just a matter of looking for your next team or your next contract no we're building something here I hope there was a moment though for Gannon as well because he just seemed like it was matter-of-fact, that this was just another game, another week. And I get it. He's not results-driven. It's the process for him. He acknowledged, though, you are judged by your one-loss record. But he dismissed, I believe it was to you, the validation affirmation. And he's like, no, you don't need that if you know what you're doing is the correct way on a daily basis. So I, I... I don't know if that's just him publicly and privately. There's a smile. There's a moment to be able to say, all right, yeah, this is a big deal for me personally because I understand it's team first, you second, but you got to feel good that what you are doing as a head coach, what you are teaching these players is working. So, yeah, to patch his final call, 
there is affirmation there, and you hope the players understand it, that there is at least a little bit of a smile for Gannon, even though he did not like the fact that he was doused at the end of the ballgame. And I don't think we saw any video from inside the locker room. I don't think we, we have saw not, no. Unlike last year, especially with Hard Knocks in town, we saw virtually everything in the postgame locker room, or quite a bit, enough to get a sense of what the mood and atmosphere and reaction was like. That's not the case after this win. So I'm guessing that's by design, like everything else. And you're right. I asked him two different times in two different ways to see if maybe there was a little gratification on his end. Maybe he needed this as part of the process to truly you know, get this team going in the right direction. I was 0 for 2 on both those <laughs> questions. You know, I get it. Um, but at the same time, I also get the approach to some degree in that you want it to be the expectation. You don't want it to be some monumental achievement that we actually won a game, that we actually beat Dallas. No, this is the expectation. This is what happens if you follow the process. You invest the time and the effort. This should not be viewed as some remarkable, transcendent event. No, this is the expectation. You're going to win more than you lose, and that's what we're trying to set, among other things. I get it. And at the same time, if you're sitting there at 0-6 and you're 0-7, then that all falls on deaf ears inside a locker room. I mean, it's a, yep. And you, know, you start losing the fan base as well. That's yep. why the opponent mattered. But just that first win, because the longer you go, it becomes more difficult. The noise gets a lot louder. And I just, again, for his own personal benefit, and I know you'll get a chance to talk to him again on the coach's show this week, so maybe he could be try number three. Third time's the charm, just to get him to smile just a little bit about his first win as a head coach. Maybe I'll – got to think of the way to put the question. Maybe the question will be, what was the reaction from the family? There you go. When yes. you got home, right? The little ones, right? I, that, that'll be sure to bring a smile to his face. Maybe there's a good anecdote. Maybe there's a, you know, a congratulations from his elementary school age kids, right? Unless the kids say, Dad, what took you so long? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the kids say, Dad, when are we going to get ice cream? You know, maybe they don't even care about what they saw. Maybe they weren't even watching. They were over, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the kids' room playing with some of the blocks and some of the toys or well, video games these days at a tablet in their hand. But look, um, I, I firmly believe that it was part of the plan to set the tone. But behind closed doors, uh, come on, there had to be some sincere satisfaction and to get a win against this team that was near the top of every power pole so this wasn't just beating a bottom dweller this was a win that really to use that word again validated how good this team can be that you know what um this isn't a two or three year process waiting for wins no it can be achieved early now the ultimate test is going to be this 49ers team. There's no question about it because unlike the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers are not only talented, but they're about as well coached as any team in the league. So you're not going to get away with some of what maybe what you got away with against Dallas. It's one of the reasons why Dallas has lost the last two years into the playoffs by, to the 49ers because I just think there is much better coaching in that Niners sideline than there ever has been on the Dallas sideline. And we'll see how that develops. Well, the 49ers are not going to commit 13 penalties. Right. Or exactly. have 10 in the first half. Right. Like the Cowboys did. And I meant to look this up, but once again, it does not matter which team Mike McCarthy is coaching. Sometimes there is just an opponent that has your number. 
Or, Cardin- or a building. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cardinals love playing Mike McCarthy coach teams. And it goes back to his last game as Green Bay Packers head coach. Even before then, during the playoffs as well, McCarthy just doesn't have an answer for the angry bird, if you yeah, will. Yeah. I'm still trying to decide what I enjoyed more in week three. Was it the Cardinals beating Dallas and sending all those Dallas fans home unhappy? Or was it watching Sean Payton, <laughs> the most advanced football mind the game has seen since Todd Graham, giving up the 70 burger? Yeah, I'm not I'm still trying to decide that. Give me to the end of Monday on that one, Craig, if you will. Yeah, there were a number of things that happened in week three to the point where you would think a Cowboys loss would be top of mind, but you cannot ignore 70 points. And then obviously you cannot ignore Taylor Swift in the suite (laughs) at Arrowhead Stadium alongside Mrs. Kelsey. So yeah, there were a lot of things in week three, but maybe not the... The upset, certainly, biggest upset of the day, but 70 points. I mean, Paul, you hardly see that in college unless it's Division One versus Division Two. but 70 points. Just let that hang for a little bit. 70 points against Sean Payton and everyone over there, Vance Joseph, Zach Allen, and company. And they shut it down. Dolphin shut it yeah, down. Could have been a heck of a lot more. Near the red zone at the very end. They could have set the all-time NFL scoring record. There's no question about it. Although I did watch the alma mater give up nearly 70 <laughs> at Washington on, on Saturday night. That's neither here nor there. I'll say this about the whole uh, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. Uh, where's Dan Lanning, the Oregon head coach, when you need him? Because guess what? It looks like the Chiefs are about the clicks right now. Not just about the wins. They're about the clicks. Just like Colorado football, allegedly, according to the Oregon head coach. So you might want to go ahead and play that pregame pep talk for anyone going after the Chiefs these days. Cardinals, not worried about clicks. Just get that first win out of the way, and now you can set your sights on 500. But, Paul, this team is seven points away from being undefeated. I mean, you can make that argument that, okay, locally we know about it. Nationally, I think more and more people are picking up on it. ESPN's Field Yates Sunday afternoon tweeted about the Cardinals and how extremely well-prepared, tough, and competitive they have been under Jonathan Gannon. This team, those first two weeks, not a fluke based off the performance on Sunday. So as good as Josh Dobbs has looked after three weeks to the point of whoever was making that assessment right there, if if Josh Dobbs had just had a preseason, had just had the month of August with the Cardinals, do they win that Washington game? Based on what we see, how good this offense looks now after three games. Think of how elementary, rudimentary the game plan had to be against Washington because he'd only had a week or so, week plus, and really had no real-time full-speed reps with his guys because it's never the same running full-speed in practice as it is in a game. And you saw how much better the timing and rhythm of the passing game was in week two from week one. So is that a win at Washington considering how you got up? And then – if you don't have all those brutal injuries in the defensive line, and I know everyone has dealt with injuries, I get it, but if that D-line wasn't so utterly gassed and depleted in Week 2 against the Giants, is that a different outcome? Well, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Look, close on the scoreboard doesn't always equal close in the standings. We get that. you got to win those close games, but, but the Cardinals have obviously been very competitive with some of the best teams in the league. Let's 
bring it full circle. As Josh Dobbs post game said, pretty cool full circle moments winning his first game as QB1. How did we begin this edition of Cardinals Cover 2? Asking Paul for a wellness check. And we hope that the injury report comes clean on Wednesday. Otherwise, Danny Sarek might be waiting in the wings and being sideline reporter for Sunday's game in San Francisco. No, I didn't need any painkillers. Uh, I didn't need the chiropractor. I didn't need any of that. Um, you know, so uh, we're good. Once again, uh, that's the first time and hopefully last time in 19 years. Uh, note to self, do not ever become anywhere close to the storyline. And I will say, when my life flashed in front of my eyes and Rondell Moore came crashing into me, don't go down, don't go down, Calvisi, don't go viral. Okay, don't go down, don't go viral. Don't be the guy who hits the deck and gets flattened by an NFL player and then everyone enjoys it on Twitter for the next 10 years. 19 years. Are we are we losing a step, Paul, here? <laughs> you're, you're 19? Is this, is this? My lateral quickness. I did. That was observed. Now, there was a snarky member of the sideline crew who said, you know, your sideline quickness isn't what it used to be, Calvisi. So, uh, yeah, that, that is true. Maybe I need to start. I need to get way off the line. You know, I need to be, uh, I need to get way back, maybe in a pistol formation from now on. It is early in the season, though. Maybe we'll see what happens later on as the weeks continue. Maybe you can get that uh, lateral quickness back. By the way, they just showed a bunch of Cardinals highlights on the NFL Network show behind you, and they just flashed up a stat. The Dolphins, the first team in NFL history with 350 passing yards and 350 rushing yards in a game? I had no idea. That is remarkable. 700-plus yards of total offense. That's like Alabama against Furman. (laughs) What is going on? And I tell you what, we all love Vance Joseph, but if that continues, there's no doubt in my mind he'll be made the scapegoat pretty quick in Denver. Yeah, it is not pretty in Denver. Certainly it is bright and shiny, sunny here in Arizona. Cardinals celebrating a 28-16 win over the Dallas Cowboys. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. Incoming! Incoming!